today on Standing on the Word. In the midst of that corruption, in the midst of that, that moral decay, in the midst of that, that rottenness, we must be salt. You see that there? He doesn't say, I, I like this. He doesn't say that we're going to be diamonds in the world. He doesn't say we're silver. He doesn't say we're gold. He says you're salt. You're something so small and insignificant that most people just throw it to the side. And that's what he says. You are salt. But salt, as small and as insignificant as it is, just a little bit of it can be incredibly powerful. You with me? A little bit, a pinch of salt can change a whole dinner. A pinch of salt can change a whole culture with its influence. You're listening to Standing in the Gap, standing for truth in a fallen world. Welcome to Standing in the Gap, Standing on the Word, a verse-by-verse study of the Bible and the powerful truths that are revealed through God's Holy Word. I'm your host, Mike Cross. Today we'll hear from Josh Tompkins, who is pastor and Bible teacher at West End Baptist Church. And now from his sermon titled, Salt and Light, here's Josh. Everybody knows this passage. It's been quoted. You could probably quote it. You know these two illustrations that Jesus gives. And what he's telling us here, and then what he is, a very powerful passage of Scripture is Jesus is telling us, his followers, and these in the crowd that are following him, of the influence that they are supposed to have on the world. Uh, that, that's what this whole passage is about, the impact that we ought to have as his followers as we go out into the world. And he uses two pictures here to describe our influence in the world. I want you to get that as we start. He's using two pictures. Jesus is a master teacher. And they say a picture's worth a thousand words. So he gives us here two pictures. So I guess that's worth two thousand words. So he gives us two pictures of what our influence should be in the world that we live in, as his followers, as Christians. And he says here, you guys have seen it, that's the title of the sermon this morning, is Salt and Light. We are to be, as his followers, salt and light in the world. So that's the title of the sermon. Let's stand together and I'll read these verses to you. And I hope to give you uh, some new insight on, on what these things mean as we read this passage, and I'm glad today to get four verses to study. We've been going through the Beatitudes, and it's been one verse, one verse, one verse, and it's, it's a, that's hard to, to pull a whole sermon out of one verse. But when I look, uh, turned the passage this week and I saw four whole verses, I thought this is going to be awesome. We're going to be here for at least an hour and a half. It's going to be great. Uh, you guys know me. <laughs> there you go. So starting in verse 13, again, you guys know these verses. These, these are... Uh, amazing verse, starting in verse 13, Jesus says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his, fa- his Savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. That's the second picture he gives us. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under, under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray together and then we'll look at what it means to be salt and light. Let's pray together. Father, We, as we come to your word, we need your help. I understand my inability to get these truths across to anybody. I understand my inability to even understand these truths. So as I walked up through here, and I I was saying I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that even the, the ones sitting in the pew here are saying now, 
we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to take these words and to penetrate our hearts with them. We could easily take this passage and I could preach it and I could explain it and there could be blank looks out in the pews and it not affect us at all. I want this to go deeper than our minds. Father, I want this to go into our hearts. That You would make us salt and light in the world. Please do this. Please. We need this. I need this. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the most powerful forces in the world, and I want to restate that, but I'm going to just say it again. One of the most powerful forces in the world is influence. One of the most powerful forces in the world is influence. That could be for both good or for bad. But influence is incredibly powerful. Uh, we are all here today, as I look around the room, everybody here knows what influence is. I don't have to give you a definition. Uh, get a, look up a dictionary and give you a definition of it. You know what it means to be influenced. All of us here have been and are being influenced in some way by somebody in, 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 in a variety of ways. All of us are being influenced, have been influenced. What we wear is, is based upon on, on influence. We've seen somebody wear something like this. Well, look at the pictures from prom last night. You're going to see fashions as they uh, change over time. I go back to 1990. Uh, I hate to say this, but I'm going to. Go back to 1999 and see what me and my wife wore to the prom. And then you go, uh, 20, it's been 20 years. That's, that's 20 years to, to today. <laughs> and you see the fashion trends today. It's completely different. I mean, Tommy was saying that it was the olden days back then, right? That's, that's what we, we looked like then. And, and it's changed how things are looking now. And it changes because of influence. That somebody somewhere wore something or acted a certain way or said something uh, in, in, a, in a sort of way that now we are influenced by that. All of us have been. All of us are being influenced. It's, uh, we're influenced in who we are. Maybe our parents have influenced us in a way. All of us are influenced by how we were brought up in, in our homes. We're influenced in what we do. We're influenced and how we act. We're influenced in what we wear and what we say. The question is, and this is the big question for all of us today, is who is doing the influencing in your life? If influence is one of the most powerful forces in the world, then we've got to be very, very careful about who we let influence us. Again, I said that one of the most important factors is who's influencing you. Who are you listening to? Who are you watching on TV? Who are you hanging out with? What are you reading? Uh, it's it's family. Who are you hanging out with in your family? Family, family, and in you in a good way or a bad way. It could be your friends. I tell my kids that right now at their young age, Gracie, thirteen years old, you need to be very, very careful who your friends are. If you have good friends, they will influence you in a good way. If you have bad friends, they'll influence you in a in a bad way. So right now, in your age, you need to be making good and godly friends. Your church will influence you. Your pastor. I've heard this in, in seminary, that you will begin to look and act like and talk like your pastor. I am so sorry. <laughs> who you sit under in church and who you listen to will have a great influence on who you are spiritually. It's just the truth. I will be a great influence on your life. If you listen to me Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're going to be influenced by how I talk and, and who I am. That, that's just the, the, the reality of things. So you need to be, I even read this week, I, I was typing in influence on Google, and do you know that they pay people to be Instagram influencers? 
If you don't know what that is, Instagram is a, a social media and they pay popular people to wear certain products and to say certain things because they know that the next generation of people that are following them will be influenced by what they do. We are influenced by everything. Movies, TV, parents, family, church, preacher, authors. Everywhere we turn, people are trying to influence us. It's almost like a tug of war. Good and bad being pulled in, in several different directions that way. It's the influence of, of the world. And Jesus knows the power of influence. And that's what this passage is all about. Here he's telling his followers, I like this, warning us not to be influenced in a bad way. That as we go out into the world, we shouldn't be influenced and pulled in the world's direction, but that as we go out into the world, we need to be influencers for God and for good. That's what he's telling us to do here, that we're not to be influenced, we are to be influencers. We are to go out into the world and be a good and godly influence on everybody that we're around. And that's what he's saying here. I want to get into this context here because he tells us you need to be salt and light. And before I get into the points, I want you to see that this all ties in to the, the first 12 verses that we've already read because he gave us here, you will, influence starts with character. Who you are will influence more than what you say. Let me say that again. If I'm an influence in this church, who I am will be a greater influence than what I say. To my kids, who I am at home will be a greater influence to them than what I say anywhere else. So Jesus here gives us the characteristics of a Christian. And I don't have to go back and look at all these things. He gave us eight characteristics of, of a follower of Christ, of Christians. These are our qualities. These are our, our distinctives. This is uh, the indistinguishable qualities that sets us apart from everybody else in the world. This is who we are. The world is one way, and we are this way. These 12 verses, these traits uh, make us different. They define us and our lives. And Jesus now tells people who are like this, these 12 verses, that now you will be this. The more you're like these characteristics, the more influence you will have on the world. So it starts with character, and then it turns into influence. He's going to place us in the world. He's going to, uh, we don't hide. We're not under a rock somewhere. He's going to put us in the middle of the world, and, and we're going to be like salt mingled in. We're going to be like light that's in the midst of the darkness. We're going to be in the world. John 17, he says that I'm not taking you, I'm not praying to you that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them within the world. You're going to be around all this influence and it's you, the salt, it's you, the light that will influence the rest of the world. That's what he's saying here. We will be an influence on the world. It's our Christian duty in the world to be influencers. I'll say this, to be world changers, to, to make an impact for God. Again, I'm going to repeat that over and over for God. And for good. To be salt and to be light. It's the power of an ordinary, everyday Christian life to be mingled in with the rest of the world and to influence them. So let's look at this. Two pictures, two examples, and I want to show you what it means to be a Christian influence in the world. Number one, and you're going to like these points, I think. Number one, I want to show you the salty influence. The salty and I'll go to point number two and I'll give you the shiny influence. And I want to show you point number three just to show you where we're going, the supreme influence. 
Number one, the salty influence. You see there in verse 13, it says, I mean, it's very plain, very clear. You are the salt of the earth. It says very, I mean, this is just out in the open. It's a very famous saying. Uh, there's all kinds of quotes that come from, from this. The salt of the earth people. You've heard that before. God's people are to be the salt of the earth. This is, he doesn't give you an option here. You are the salt of the earth. That's who we are. That's what we are. We are salt in the earth. Now, let me ask you this question before we go any further. This implies something. If somebody is sitting next to you, and they ask you for salt. They're implying that what they have in front of them is without salt. Are they not? If my wife, I'm sitting and she does this all the time. She's sitting over there. We're sitting at the table. She'll say, pass the salt. And I don't look at her and say, is it too salty? You assume you're implying that whatever she has in front of her is without salt. That it needs salt. You don't, you don't, you don't ask for salt unless you need salt. So the world needs salt. That's what he's saying here. So for the world to need salt, what's the condition for the world to need salt? This is, this is important here. The world lacks salt. The earth is without salt. So the condition of the world, the biblical view of, of the world here that Jesus is giving us is that we're salt and the rest of the world is without it. Which means the rest of the world, get this, is in the state of decay. The rest of the world is in a... And you need to understand this. This is vitally important for how we view the world. The rest of the world is in a state of rottenness. He's describing and and uh, illustrating to us a picture that the world is like rotten meat. And we're going to be salt that gets rubbed into that rotten meat to, to, to keep it from getting any more rotten. That's what he's saying here is that the world is rotten. The world is, is decaying. The world is, is corrupt all around us. Out there is full of corruption. And we are to be within that salt. The world is rotten meat in need of salt. We live in the midst of great corruption. I want to just apply this to you. We see corruption. We see rottenness. We see decay. Everywhere around us. I'll take you from the highest offices. Get this. Let me, let me just show you this. There is corruption in the highest offices in the land. I think you know that. I think you can watch the news and see that whether, and I'm not getting political because it's on both ends of the aisle. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's all politicians. It's all those people up there who are not out for our good. They're out for power. And they're up there and it's the most corrupt place on the planet. There's corruption at the highest offices in the land. And I'll take you even step, uh, down another, uh, another notch. There's corruption in our high schools. There's, there's lost kids in our high schools. There's lost kids in our middle schools. There, and there's all kinds of evil and corruption and rottenness that take place. And I'm not even talking about high schools and, and middle schools. There's corruption in our colleges today. You've got to be very careful. It is, it is rotten to the core in most universities. It's rotten in our homes. Corruptions in our homes. We, we bring it in through our TVs. We bring it in through our phones. There's, there's rottenness in our homes. I've taken it from the highest offices and I want to say now that there's rottenness in the hearts of people out there. People are not good. They are rotten and corrupt and decaying. That's what he, the picture he gives us of the world. It's in, it's in a state of, of moral decay and it's not getting any better. We're not a culture, a world that is evolving and getting better. We're not progressively getting better. We're not advancing. We, we are, are not getting any better as a world. We are getting worse and worse. 
We're just getting louder in, in how we sin. There's new ways of sin, inventing new ways to be more corrupt. It's, it's like a piece of meat that you put out on, on, on a table maybe to cook later. It, it doesn't get better the longer you sit it out. It's not going to start smelling better, is it? It's only going to get worse and worse and worse and stinkier and stinkier and stinkier. I mean, you're going to come and say, should I cook this? No. <laughs> you know, It doesn't get better. It gets worse. And what does a, a rotten, corrupt society need? It needs salt. It needs us. The universities need us. The high schools and the middle schools need us. The homes, they need us. Politicians need us. They need us to be, and that's what he says here, in the midst of that corruption, in the midst of that, that moral decay, in the midst of that, that rottenness, we must be salt. You see that there? He doesn't say, I, I like this. He doesn't say that we're going to be diamonds in the world. He doesn't say we're silver. He doesn't say we're gold. He says you're salt. You're something so small and insignificant that most people just throw it to the side. And that's what he says, you are salt. But salt, as small and as insignificant as it is, just a little bit of it can be incredibly powerful. You with me? A little bit, a pinch of salt can change a whole dinner. A pinch of salt can change a whole culture with its influence. Place a little bit of salt within something, changes everything. That's what he's saying, you're salt, and he is sprinkling us all over the world. You with me on that? I, I love that image. And I thought about this. Uh, uh, I thought about bringing a sh salt shaker with me today, but I thought I, I, I don't do that anymore. And just sprinkling it. Letting, you know, sprinkling it. Makes the biggest difference. That God from above is sprinkling the world with us. Placing us in high schools. Placing us in middle schools. Placing us in homes. Placing us in, in circles of friends. Placing us in universities. Placing us in job sites. Placing us all over the place in the midst of corruption and rottenness. He says, you guys are going to be the, the salt of the earth. I want to put you a little bit here and a little bit there. And you will influence the, that location and, and those people for good and for God. That's who we are. We're the, the salt of the earth sprinkled from above. And it will have a, an overwhelming influence. If you just throw a little bit of salt on the world, it will influence the world. You say, how does it do that? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. i got three ways that salt can change the world. Number one, salt is a seasoning. That's what my wife wants it for. When, it, when we're sitting there at a restaurant, she'll say, pass the salt. She puts salt on everything. And I'll pass the salt to her and she sprinkles it on there because whatever she's eating is, is dull and tasteless and she needs to add a little zest to it. Do you understand that? I know you guys do that. You're looking at me like, oh man, we never put salt on anything. <laughs> if you sprinkle a little bit of salt on, on whatever food you have there, it'll add a little zest to, to the, to the dullness of that dinner. It'll give a little bit of taste to the, to the tasteless of whatever it is you're eating. And that's what he says here. If I sprinkle you on that job site, you bring a little bit of, of zest to that job site. If I sprinkle you in that school, you'll add flavor to that school. If I sprinkle you around those friends, you will come in and, and your attitude alone and your face and, and the joy of the Lord that's within you will change that whole setting where you are. I love that. We, when we walk in, and I, 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 I hope that's not the case with none of us. There's some Christians that when they walk in the room, it's like the joy leaves. <laughs> when we walk in the room, the joy should show up. Some people can be, some Christians can be so obnoxious and, and angry without smiles. 
when they when they come into a room, it's like we got to talk about sundry issues. <laughs> it's King James word. But he's this salt picture tells us that our presence ought to bring joy. Our words, and it says in, in Ephesians, let your speech always your your words. I like that. How can my presence alone? bring joy and zest into a situation. It should be that in the job site. They should love seeing Christians here. They should love seeing Christians at school. They should love seeing Christians in the universities because we bring a little bit of life to the place. Again, Ephesians says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. That your words should be salty. Seasoning a conversation. That in the I like this because in the midst of the conversation, high schoolers talking to each other, and they could be sitting there angry at each other. They could be sitting there at each other's throats. They could be saying all kinds of things they shouldn't say. Christian walks in and brings a little bit of zest and seasoning, and brings joy and peace into the conversation. It should be that in our in our conversations at work. That when we walk up, it shouldn't be oh, there comes that guy. He's going to bring us all down. You know, there comes a joyful Christian. A little bit of zest into our workplace it can be with our words it can be just with our presence of being there it can be with our attitude what kind of attitude are you having in where you are i'll say i'll say i'll give you the second one the salt will season and the salt will sting they used to use salt to heal wounds and to help heal wounds in these days a baby would be born and the first thing they would do with that baby is take some salt and rub it all over just in case there was any kind of cuts or wounds on the baby Covered in, in salt just to clean it up. That's how they cleaned the babies back then. And you guys know this. If you pour a little bit of salt on a wound, it's good for you. It'll clean the wound. It'll, it'll help heal the wound. But boy, does it sting, you know. So sometimes when you walk into conversations and there comes that Christian and you bring in your words and your attitude and your presence, it sting a little, you know. They may not like it. It may irritate. It may burn. You're not trying to burn. You're not trying to irritate. You're trying to help. You're trying to, to help clean the situation. You're trying to, to be salt in, in the situation. But no, no, no. Truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? I'll give you another one. The salt will season and the salt will sting. You want another one? The salt will save. This is the main point of this, of this salt here in verse 13. And I'm trying to work my way through this, but this is the main point. They would take salt in these days that Jesus is talking about, and they had no refrigeration. So in order to save their meat from spoiling, they would cover it in salt. And salt was used as a preservative. You'd rub it in and it would slow the spoiling. It would slow the decay. Uh, so our presence alone should slow the corruption of society. I, I won't say should, it will slow the corruption of society. It will make a, a huge difference. Just, just us showing up brings sin down a level. Just us being there will change conversation. Just us, I've had people do that with me. Not, not saying I'm anything, but people know that I'm a preacher. And when I pull up, I used to, you know, driving around that church van, I'd, I'd pull into a gym, and the conversation would end when I walked in. Preacher's here, you know. Just your presence alone changes conversations. When you go to the beauty shop or the barber shop, and they're sitting there talking back and forth, and you come in, and you sit down in the chair, everybody should say, that guy's a Christian, and it should totally stop the sin right there where it's at. That's what he's saying, and he preserves it. It brings sin from where it is to, a, to down another notch. It won't stop sin, but it will preserve the corruption. It will slow it down. It will affect homes. It will affect schools. If there's a Christian on your team, sports team, whatever sport it may be, that Christian will bring that, that level of sin down a notch just from being there. The cities. I, I, 
The worst places in the world today are the places with the lowest amount of Christians. You wonder why America is getting worse and worse and worse. It used to be the best of the law. The most moral, the, the ones that, that followed the, the, the line, the went the biblical ways. Why? Because there's a lot of Christians here, and the less Christians we have in America, the more we are corrupt and rotten, and, and the worse we get. And, the, and as we lose Christians in society, America's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Just walking in should change the conversation. Just being there. It's like a dam on sin. Just holds it in its place. You know what else it does? It's like a, a dam on judgment. I'll give you an example. Think the flood. There was only eight left. And God withheld judgment on them because of eight. And then He got the eight out. Really only one. Got that family out. And then judgment came. I'll give you another. Sodom and Gomorrah. The most corrupt and vile city in the history of the world. Which I think some cities in America are giving its run for its, for its money now. But did not, did not God go and say, if I find 50 there, I'll withhold judgment. He didn't find 50. If I find 30 there, 30 godly people, 30, 30 pieces of salt there, if, if there's a little bit there, then I'll withhold my judgment. If there's 20 there and he couldn't find 20, if there's 10 there and he couldn't find 10, and because there was no presence of, of influence there at all, he brought judgment down. I believe the, the, the only thing holding back the judgment of God on America is his people in America. And just wait, and we, we've been in Revelation, as soon as he takes us out of the world, he, judgment falls on the world. The only thing that withholds judgment on the world today is God's people, his influence. As soon as he takes, read Revelation, as soon as he takes his people out, it doesn't take three and a half years for the place to go all to hell. We are the influence that withholds sin and withholds judgment. So the presence of Christians are a huge influence on the world. But watch this, and I'll move on. We may be here a long time. You guys say, you just cover one verse. Look what it says. You are the salt of the earth. I've covered one statement. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? What if the salt loses its saltiness? What if it gets mixed up? What if it gets dirty? Here's the question he's asking. What if a Christian loses his influence? What if a Christian is no longer influencing? How can a Christian lose his influence? It's easy. Be sinful at work. That's how you lose your saltiness. Be sinful at work. Act like they do. Talk like they do. Walk into a conversation where two people are talking about things they shouldn't be talking about and you come in and you join and you laugh and you talk. Do that at work. Do that at school. Do that at university. Just stop what you're doing and start acting like they are. A corrupt Christian is a bad influence on the world. And you'll lose it real quick. And you become, he says, if you lose that, if you if you start acting like they do and living like they do, and it's blending in. It's like blending sand with, with salt. It's no good anymore. It's good for nothing, it says. Powerless, pointless. What are you going to use salt with no salt with no saltiness? What are you going to use it for? It's like a flat basketball. It's made to bounce. And if it can't bounce, it's no good for anything. And if salt has no saltiness, it's no good for nothing. And all you're going to do is, is just throw it out. That's what it says here. Just, just cast it out. And it's not good for nothing but walking on. It's scary to me that Christians in this area, us, have lost our saltiness. 
that we are not making a difference anymore. That we are being more influenced by the world than we are influencing the world. That we've lost our influence by blending in. That our homes look no different than the world's homes. That our marriages are no different than the world's marriages. The reality is there's a lot of churches where inside the church looks no different than outside the church. We've lost our saltiness. We've lost our influence. Our greatest influence is when we are less like the world. We were made to be salty. So it's our job here, number one, to be the salt of the earth people. You ever heard somebody called that? The salt of the earth. He's the salt of the earth. He's a good influence. Let's move on to the second point. The shiny influence. If that's the salty influence in verse 13, let me show you the shiny influence. Because he then turns it away. He says, you got a job to do. You're not just within, but you're shining down upon. That's, that's what he's saying here. And it's a shiny. I, I want to show you, it says here, ye are the light of the world. Let me do the same implication I did with the last point. Same question. If the world needs light, it implies that the world is in darkness. Now there you go. You guys are paying attention. Thank you for that. It implies darkness. That's what it says here. That the world is, that's what we're implying, that the world is a dark place. It's not only corrupt, it's not only uh, smells like rotten meat. That's what he just in verse 13. But now the world is a, a very dark place. I don't think we understand the extent of the darkness in our world. The world is not enlightened. The world is, is ignorant. And, and, and this doesn't mean physically blind or physically dark. It means spiritually dark. They can't see a thing spiritually. They can't see their own sin. They can't see the truth. I mean, this is just reality. As you live in the world, as you go where you go, you're going to see they just don't see anything. I, I say that to people all the time. I'll be talking about Scripture. I'll be talking about Christ. I'll be talking about sin. And especially about sin, they'll say, oh, no, that's no big deal at all. You bring up, this is a sin. This is what the Bible says it is. And they're like, nope, I don't see it. Nope, I don't see it. And my first my question to them is, are you blind? Look! <laughs> nope, don't see it. You're blind. They're darkened to it. They can't see sin. They can't see the beauty of Christ. First Corinthians says the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they cannot know them. They can't. They can't see. They can't see the way to go, the way to live. They can't understand Scripture. Lost people open up the Bible. They may be able to read it, but they cannot understand it because it's spiritually discerned. They're blind. It's dark. So what does the world need? Light. And it says here, we are what the world desperately needs. We are light. You see that in verse 14? Ye are the light of the world. And when it says this, it says the light, it's saying you are the only light in the world. The only light in the world is Christians. That's it. There's no other light. We were saved out of the darkness by Christ, who is the light, big L. And He came and saved us and delivered us from the power of darkness and, and cleansed us of our sins and opened up our eyes so that we could see the glory of, of Christ and, the, and the, the depravity of our sin and turn to Him and be saved. And the light is shining down upon us and our eyes are open to the truth of the Gospel. He saved us and He is the light of the world. And when He saves us, He makes us lights little l that we reflect who he is now we are lots we are saved out of the darkness out of the decay and now we are lots one lot can make a huge difference in a world can it not 
I mean, it says here, look, look with me. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. This is, this is simple here. In the, in these days, cities were put up on a hill for safety's sake. So if enemies come, they would have to climb, go up a hill in order to get to the city, and then they was secure. And, and people would come from long distances, and they could see for miles one light in that city. One light was on. They could see it. One tiny light could be navigation for a lost traveler. One little light can be a huge influence. If you are in a school and the whole school is darkened, which is what it is spiritually, universities, dark, job sites, dark, a town that is dark, a country that is dark spiritually, and in walks one person with a light. It'll light up the whole place. In walks one Christian. One Christian in the midst of darkness can bring great light. Look what he says again. It's not just a light in the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hid, but neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but put on a candlestick and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Imagine a dark house. That's what he's saying there. Imagine a dark house. And all of a sudden, if the lights go out, it's the middle of the night and there's a big storm and, and your kids come to you and they're scared and you can't see nothing. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And all of a sudden, somebody brings out a candle. They light it and they put it in the center of the room. It lights up the whole house. One light can make a great big difference. A, a huge influence. If you and me can be a, a light in this world, we can make a huge impact on the world. Think of a Christian at work bringing, being a light. That's what I desire to be for my kids. People ask me all that all the time because they know, they know the reality is that some say 50% of all church kids will ultimately leave the church after they turn 18 and not ever even come back. For me, that says I've got four kids. I, I can do the math. Two out of my four kids by the statistics say we'll leave the church. And they say, what are you going to do, Josh? How do you, how do you keep that from happening? What, what are you going to do? What are you going to, I mean, I, and I, I know what I want to do. I want to get me a rope and tie it around them and, and keep them at the house. And I want to just sit and preach at them for hours and hours. That's what I want to do. I want to try to get this book and take it and beat them over the head with it, you know? Like I do some of you guys sometimes. That's what I want to do. You say, what do we do? How can we guarantee that our kids won't be the ones that leave and, and turn away from the church and turn away from Christ? And I tell you, all I can do is be a light to them in my home. That's all that I can do is light a candle in my house. Not an actual candle, but just as I walk around, I can be a light to them for Christ and His Word. They may not be able to understand the realities of Scripture, but I can be a light to say, hey guys, do you see what this says? Do you understand what this means? I'm a light to my children. What are we going to do about our town? What are we going to do about our nation? Can you imagine that? One town, one church in the midst of this town can make a massive difference if we all become lights. The problem is, I'll get to it in a second, is we're hiding our lights. So you say, how can we be lights? That's the question. And I, I want to explain that to you. Because you hear that all the time. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You guys knew I'd go, I was going there. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. My kids know that. Don't hide it. Don't let Satan get out, you know. I'm going to let it shine. 
Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. The question is how? What does that mean? How can I be a light? Here's the answer. You ready for this? I've got, I've got four ways you can be a light. I would write these things down. Number one, by showing the love of Christ. First John 2 says this, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in the darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, but he that hateth his brother is in the darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not where he goes because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you see that? He that hates his brother is in the dark. He that loves his brother is in the light. He's saying here that our way to shine the, the greatest light is to show the love of Christ everywhere we go. To, that, that's how we shine the broadest is that when we show love in our schools, when we show love in our universities, when we show love in our workplace, when we show love in our homes, I want my kids to see, to know the love of Christ in their lives. It's not just what I say. We'll get to that. It's how I love them. The greatest light comes from right here. That I show my kids that I love them. My greatest light to you here is not what I say. It's that I love you with the love of Christ. You, you want more from me than what I say. You want my love. And when I shine, that's, that's how you shine out to people is by loving them. When my kids sin and mess up, I want to, I, I will punish them. I'll bring down the wrath of dad. But after I whip them, and I will. My arms go out. And I wrap my arms around them and I say, I forgive you and I love you. And I only did that for your good. I show them the love of Christ. I want them to see Christ and His love in me. And if we spend our lives hating people, there's no light. There's no light. We spend our lives being mean and condescending and hateful. We are not shown light. We ought to be the most loving place in Big Stone Gap. That this shines bright. That even people in sin when they come here. I preached it last Sunday night. Our Savior is the most welcoming and inviting and loving man we could ever imagine. And he's like this right here all the time. That should be us. That our greatest light shines right here. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. There's forgiveness in Christ. Love. There should be love shining out from this pulpit. Should there not? When you walk out of here, you may say, oh, Josh said some hard things. Josh preached some hard sayings of Christ. Josh said this about sin. Josh said that. But as you walk out there, you should be saying, if I'm doing my job right, oh, Josh said it in love. That His words, even the hard words, watch this, were sprinkled with the seasoning of salt. They may have stung, but I knew He was doing it to help me and to heal me. That's the way it should be for us. That even when we talk to our kids, yes, it may be harsh. Yes, it may be hard. But at the end of the day, they know Daddy loves them. When we love, we shine. I would write that down. Number two. I'm giving you all kinds of subpoints. Number two. We shine the brightest when we are the purest. You guys can turn with me. You're sitting there listening. I want you to turn with me now. 
Ephesians chapter 5. If you'll turn there with me, I, I'm going to take you to just a couple places here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Oh, this is a great passage. Verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness. <laughs> you see that? That's how we lived. Watch this. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Then walk as children of light. That walk is the way we live. It is it's that we don't blend in with the world, but we stay pure. The, the more pure and the more holy we are, the more righteous our lives are, the more the brighter our light will shine in the world. If we are like them and if we are sinful like they are, I know we will never be perfect. There's, there's, that'll never happen. But the holier and the holier we get, the more our character resembles Christ in, in Matthew 5, 1 through 12, the more we look like Him and act like Him, the, the brighter our light will be in the world. And we won't be called hypocrites by saying we're Christians and still act like they do. Let me get back to Ephesians 5. For you were sometimes darkness. You used to be darkness, but now you're the light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is, is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship, get this, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but whether reprove them. And sometimes our holiness and, and our righteousness and our purity is a reproof in and of itself. We don't have to say a word. Verse 12, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever d doth make manifest is light. It's how we live. It's how we walk. So the more pure we are, the brighter we shine. Let me give you another one. Turn with me to Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's just the next book, book over. Philippians 2. We've seen the, the love of Christ from our heart will shine. Get this. I love this. The love of Christ from our heart will shine. The purity of Christ will shine in our, in, in our walk, the way we live. And now the words of Christ will come from our mouth. Look, look what it says. Philippians 2 verses 15 and 16. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of, in the middle of, a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom ye, watch this, shine as lights in the world. How do we do that? By holding forth the word of life. By speaking the words of Christ. When we speak Scripture, we shine light. Don't you love that? This is our, our light. This is how we, how we shine into the world. It's not just from our heart. It's not just the way we live our lives. Those are actions and that's how we live. But we gotta open our mouths and let the light shine. Thomas Watson said Christians ought to be walking Bibles and the more Scripture you, you, you quote and the more Scripture you preach, the shiner, the, the brighter your light will shine. We need to shine our lights. I love that. We preach the Bible here. And you say, why do we do that? The more Bible we preach, the brighter we shine. I like that. The words of life. Let me give you another one. Not just in our heart, the way we love I love, I'm going to show you that the light coming from our heart, coming from our life, coming from our mouth. I'll give you one more from the gospel. Second Corinthians. You guys want to go there with me? I know I don't do this much, but it's fun. Second Corinthians. <laughs> this is just fun. Verse three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ..." Do you see that? 
who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. You, you, you see that there? He says the Gospel is the light. And the more you preach the Gospel, the more you give the Gospel, the more light that will shine. The world is in darkness. Their eyes are blinded. They're in de- depravity and decay and rottenness. And the only thing that can change them is not just our love and not just the way we live and the Scripture that we speak to them, but the Gospel will go out. And you know what it will do? It will open their eyes and it will change their lives. You must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that. It shines bright. You know what it does? When you preach the gospel, it points people to the Lord Jesus Christ. To the way of salvation. To forgiveness of sin. I do that every Sunday in here. Every time I get up, you know what I'm doing? I'm not just showing the the light of Scripture. I'm giving you the light of the Gospel. And if you're here today and you're lost, I'll point you to where you can find salvation in Jesus Christ. Points to Him. Shines on Him. The spotlight is always on Jesus. I don't want the spotlight on me. My boy asked me the other day, he said, do you like being up in front of everybody and them watching you, listening to you all the time? I said, no, I can't stand it. If I could, I would take this pulpit and build it about that high. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to hear His words, not mine. Point everybody to Him. If you're here today and you're in your sin, you're lost, you're without Christ, you're in darkness, you're in rottenness, you're in decay, you need to know that Jesus saves. That's the gospel. To see it and be saved. Back to Matthew 5. We're not even in point 3 yet. <laughs> we'll get there. He says very clearly here, you're the light of the world. Don't hide it. A city doesn't hide their lights. So people can't find it. You see that? Why would a city turn out all their lights so nobody could find it? Why in the world would a Christian, why in the world would a church turn off their lights so nobody can find the way? That's what he's saying there. How foolish would that be? Why would you do that? Why would a church shut their Bibles so they can't hear it? Churches are doing that. Why, why would Christians not give the gospel? I mean, that, that is the only way anybody will ever be saved is by hearing and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why would we hide that from people and not show them the way? That's what he says. Why would a city wouldn't do that? And then he goes a step further and says a city wouldn't hide. Why would a city want to hide? I mean, if you ever drive into a city, there's signs everywhere pointing to where the city is. They want you to go there. We ought to shine bright, not hide. A lamp doesn't need a cover. Look what it says there. Neither do men light a candle. Now, this is, it was a big deal back then to have a candle. You'd buy a lamp, you'd buy oil, which was expensive then. You'd take that lamp and with that oil and you'd put it in the center of the room. There's nobody going to come and say, well, let's put a bushel over it. Waste of a lamp. It's like my kids, they go into, and go into a room and they turn the lights on and then they walk out and shut the door. Why did you turn the light on? It's, it's a waste of electricity. That's what he's saying here. Why would anybody turn a light on in the middle of their house and then cover it up? You don't do that. Don't hide your lights. Don't, don't hide your love. Don't, 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 don't cover this love up. Don't, 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 don't be hate-filled Christians. Don't hide this love. Don't don't hide your purity, your your holiness in Christ. Don't don't shut the Bible. I mean, so many people are shutting the Bible today. We don't shut the Bible. We open the Bible and let it shine. Churches aren't preaching the gospel anymore. Why would we not do that? That's what he says. Don't hide it. Let it shine. It's a simple statement there in verse 16. 
Let it shine before men. Simple. If Christ is in you, just let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. It's such a simple song. Such great truth. I'm going to let it shine. Why? Why do we let it shine? That's my last point and we'll close. We've seen the salty influence. We've seen the shiny influence. Let me show you the, the supreme. The supreme influence. Why do we do this? Let your light so shine before men. Why? This is the supreme goal here. This is the, the crowning achievement of us being an influence on the world. This is what, why we do what we do. This is the predominant, prevailing, preeminent reason why we let our light shine. That song doesn't say that. It just says, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Why? Look what it says. I love this. We're letting it shine so, so man can see it. You see that? It says, salt of the earth, earth, that's the earth, 14, light of the world, the whole globe. We do it so everybody can see it. I want Big Stone Gap to see our light. I want this to be a shiny, salty place in Big Stone. I want everybody to, to see us here. Not so they can see me. You see that? I don't want them to see me. Or to see you. What does it see? What does it say? Let your lights shine before men. That's everybody. We want the whole world to see this. So that they may see your good works. That word good is a word for beauty. So they may see our beauty. It describes verses 1 through 12. So they may see our character. The only beautiful thing in me. Nobody has ever called me beautiful. The only beautiful thing in me is Christ in me. The only good in me is Christ in me. So they may see the beauty within me. So they may see the character that I live, that I'm poor in spirit, that I mourn, that I'm meek, that I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that I'm merciful and pure, that I'm a peacemaker and that I'm persecuted, that they may see that in me, the cross-like character, the cross-like words that come out of my mouth. And when they see that in me, when they see our good works, when they see our beauty, when they see the, the attractiveness of who we are, whether it's in our workplace or our schools or wherever we may be, when they see that in us, what are they going to do? They're not going to look at me. And I, Again, I don't want the world to see me. I don't want the world to see that the church I don't want anybody to ever pat me on the back and say oh Josh you're so good you're so smart your church is so great no I don't want any attention on me at all that's what the Pharisees did they wanted congratulated by everybody they would fast and they would pray so people would do this no 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 no. that's not why we do what we do look what it says I, I'm going to close here let your light shine before men so that the men, the world, the earth, can see your good works, your beauty, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what it's all about. It's for His glory. We are salt, so people will be pointed to Christ. We, are, we shine bright, so that people will be pointed to Christ. Our supreme goal is that the world will see the Father. We live our lives as an influence, again, in the world for good and for God. That's the whole reason we do this. So when people see us, that they look at us and we're doing that. 
You get what I'm saying? Let me do it again. You guys, you guys seeing this? That when people see us, when the, when the saltiness in us and the shininess in us, that in our schools, when people are attracted to us and, and, and there's a little bit of zest and seasoning, maybe even a little salt in their wounds and it, it hurts, but they know we love them when they hear our words and they look to us and they say, why is it that you are like you are? Who is it? What, what's the reason that, that you are who you are? We're doing this. It's Christ. It's not me. Don't congratulate me. Don't pat me on the back. I'm no good. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner that Jesus has saved and brought into the light so now I can point you to Him. He can save you too. It's the whole reason we live this way. As an influence, not for me, but for Him. I'm salt for Him. I'm light for Him. The supreme influence is for him to point to him not to hide christ why would we want to hide him but to showcase christ in our lives my goal in life i want your goal in life to be that people may see christ better because of me that people would see christ better because of you that we wouldn't hide him that we would showcase him we want people to see Christ in us. And that's the greatest influence that the world will ever have. Movie stars will try. They'll pull. Rock stars will try. Athletes, boy, they'll try. Buy my shoes. I mean, my kids are influenced by it right now. Oh, I want to be like this one. I want to be like this one. I want to be like this one. I want to be like this basketball player and this football player. And I want to be, you know, and they're all influencing. And, and maybe some of you, my, my, my girl will look at Instagram and, oh, look what they're wearing and look what they're saying, you know, pulling in that direction. But our influence is not for, what are they influencing for? For themselves, for money, for gain, for the world. They're pulling us in that direction. But our influence, our goal is not for ourselves. and It's for Christ. We're pulling in the other direction. We're not, we're not influenced. We're influencing people, trying to get them to come to Christ and to see Christ and to love Christ the way we do. It's all for Christ. That's the power of an authentic, ordinary Christian life that will quietly impact those around them with little fanfare. God would take us and sprinkle us just a little bit here and a little bit there. We would just simply shine. Simple. He doesn't need movie stars. He doesn't need athletes. He just needs you and me. To be who we are in the midst of a perverse world. That's all He needs. That's all He asks us to do. Sprinkle where you are. Sprinkle where you are. Now imagine this. Now I'll close. Here we are. What if we're all just one little piece of salt here? Now as we leave, we're salt in the hand of our Savior. And He takes us and He sprinkles us wherever it is we go today. Some may go to Wise. Some may go to that great place we call Pound. Heaven on Earth. Pound. <laughs> some may go to Appalachia, some may stay here in Big Stone, some may go to Lee County, some may go to Kingsport, some may go to Bristol, some may go all kinds of different places. And you go all kinds of workplaces, and you go all kinds of schools, and you're around all kinds of friends. And you know what else you are? You're in Facebook. And you're on Twitter, and you've got 800, 900 friends. My whole goal, I wanted to quit Facebook a while back. I wanted to quit all that social media. I said, that's nothing, get this, that's nothing but rottenness. That, that's nothing but, but decay on there. I mean, it's just, it's just wicked on there. And you get on there and you go, whoa, you know, I didn't want to see that. I don't want to hear that. But in the midst of that, there has to be a lot. There has to be somebody that says, you know, here's the gospel. 
There has to be somebody that says, here's the love. There has to be somebody that says, here's a, here's a Bible verse. Here's a sermon. There has to be a little bit of light. And you say, it's not making a difference. If it makes a difference to one, it's made a huge difference. Just one little light. Just one little sparkle of, of salt. Just one little bit of this and one little bit of that. Who knows where God will send you out and place you? That here we are today, but now we're a salt shaker. And God is taking us and saying, there you go. Be salty. Be shiny. And do it for my good. For the world's good and for God's glory. That's what he's saying. You're being influenced. Because it can be and will be the most powerful force in the world. For God and for good. So let, let, me, let me just ask you right now. What are people seeing in your life? Because if you're going out, get this, if you're the salt and you're going out and you're corrupt salt, you're a bad influence for Christ. You're saying you're a Christian and you have none of the character with it. You're a bad influence. So what are people seeing in your lives? I think every single one of us here today, and I said that in the prayer, this ought to hit us here. We ought to be in prayer during this altar call. I know, I can sit out and see blank stairs. I get it. Some of you just like, salt light. I wish you'd brought a light bulb and a salt shaker. It would have made it memorable, right? You know what would make it memorable? If we solidified this sermon today by praying, God, make a salt and light. God, make a salt and light. Place me where you want me. Put me around people you want me to be around. And help them to see you better because of me. God, I'm in my house every day of the week. Help my kids to see you and know you better because of me. Help my wife to see you and know you better because of me. Help my church to see you and know you better because of me. Help my gym. I go to the gym every day. And I walk into that gym. I want to get on a treadmill. I'm going to go lift with Brian. And I, I need God help everybody that comes in here to see you and know you better because of me. Because of my presence here. My words here. My love here. Please, God, let that be. Please. Wherever I go, whoever I'm around, God, please let me be salt. Please let me be light. As I have a, you have a dinners with your family, Easter, Mother's Day, there's people there that are lost. God, help me to be light. Help me to be salt. Help me to show them you in a way they've never seen before. Please, God, whoever you place me around. And that's my prayer from my heart. And I beg you, please make that your prayer today. Oh, the impact we could have with just a little bit of this in our world. World. Oh, the impact of salt and of light. We could be a great influence on the world. And if you're here today and you're lost, I know I'm going over, but my whole point in this today is that you may see Christ better. Yes, that you may see your sin. And that your sin will lead you to judgment and, and to hell. And the only way you'll ever... I want you to see that sin. You say, oh, Josh, don't talk about sin. That burns. I know it does. Well, let me show you Christ. Who is so sweet. So when you come to Him and believe in Him, He takes the burn away. He takes the sting of sin away. And He forgives it and wipes you clean. You can have the light of the world within you today if you only believe in Him. May the point of this sermon to you today, if you're lost, be to point you to the Savior who saved you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this time You've given us again this morning. I, I really just, within my heart right now, make me salt and light. Help me to be what you have called me to be. Not as a pastor, but as a Christian. Not as one that stands up here, but as one that lives out there. Help me to be, Father, the salt and light that you've called me to be. And not just me, God, but please. I know sermons like this can go in one ear and out the other. I get that. But by your Spirit, reach out and grab a hold of hearts here today. That all of us may feel this 
and know the need of being this. Please. And Father, if there is one here that is lost, I know that I cannot convince them. I'll do my best to plead and to beg to show them their need, their sin, the judgment to come, their hope in Christ alone. And as the gospel has went out today, and it has, I pray that you would use it to show those here today that are lost the only way of salvation, which is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless this invitation time by working all of our hearts here this morning. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And what a powerful message that was. And now joining with me today in the studio is Pastor Josh Tompkins. Josh, in a world full of corruption and lawlessness that surrounds us daily, we as believers tend to find ourselves either setting the example or following the example. Sometimes that example is of that same worldly corruption. How can we let our light shine daily in a way that foremost glorifies God, but also edifies the world around us? Well, as the pastor said, it's, it's pretty simple. We are to be salt and we are to be light. The salt is the influence that we have on the world in that we are embedded in the world, wherever we may be, whatever we may be doing, salt is, is in there. So God places us there to be an influence just by our presence, just by our person, just by who we are and the way we live our lives. Um, that's our one of our main influences is just being there. And it's the way we respond to things, the way we laugh or don't laugh at jokes, um, just being who we are, are uh, can be a very powerful influence on society. But influence is not enough. Salt is not enough. We need to be embedded in society, wherever that may be, our schools, our workplace, uh, wherever that is, our homes. But we also have to be light, and that's where we make our biggest impact. That's where we not only have our presence there, but we are making a proclamation there. We have words that we have to say. So that's, that's important. You can't just uh, spread the gospel by being nice to people or by being loving to people. You have to open your mouth and to, and to share that gospel. And that is our greatest, not an example, but our greatest uh, power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16, it says that the gospel is the power of God and salvation unto all who will believe. So that's the message we have to get across. That's a light that we must shine, is sharing God's saving gospel with the world. Thanks, Josh. And we'd like to remind our listeners that if you or someone you know are suffering from an overpowering addiction of any kind or are in need of clothing or you just want to be surrounded by a loving family for a warm meal, check us out online for a list of all of our services and ministries here at West End. Come by and see us. Our doors are open to everyone. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at www.westnbsg.org.